Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 countries. You can also find us through links at breadoflifeboise.org, where you'll learn about our local missions fellowship. For now, we take our Bibles in hand and turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verses 14 through 20 reveal that God purposes us to live holy lives. But before you step forward to pursue a morally holy life, be advised that only one person has successfully done so. That is Jesus Christ. To live the holy life, you must live it by His side, with Him in your heart, with the Lord Jesus bringing to you His own holy impulses to obey God's holy word. So I'm to be a person who is communing with God and receiving the holy life of Jesus Christ, that I'm waiting upon him and I'm letting Christ work in me all of the attributes that are his and allowing those attributes to give rise to actions of holiness. That's what the Bible teaches me. But the area that I want to focus on this morning is this, that if the subject that God wants me to move forward in is holiness, if that's where God wants to develop me, then there must be an obvious negative we must interject. There must be a negative we must consider. For if we are called to be holy, then we have to realize that there cannot be holiness, we cannot be separate in the company of what is unclean or what is sin. All right? For every positive, there's a negative. And the positive is this. God has saved you in order that you might be holy and enjoy his holiness. And this means blessing in life to us. But apart from that, we must understand that in order for us to learn, to live, and to progress into holiness, we must know that it means that we have to be separate from that which is unholy. Now, the reason that every single one of you who has received Jesus Christ in your life as a Christian is that God figured out a way to separate you from your sin. Holiness means to be separate from sin. God figured out a way to take the sin that was in your life and to remove it from your life completely and to wrap it up and cast it away in the depths of the sea and so when you became a Christian, really what God did was he came into your life when you received Jesus into your life and he took your sins and he removed it from your life and he separated you from your sin and the consequence of your sin. The minute that you believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you became a holy person, separated from sin. But God has not only wanted to separate you from sin and its consequences at the moment you became a Christian, but now God's desire for your life is that you would continue to live in such a way that you would demonstrate holiness in your life, purity in your life. Now, if what God did to make me a Christian was separate me from my sin, and what God wants to do in my life in order that I might continue to live the Christian life of holiness is to keep me away from sin, then I need some help. I need to know what sin is. I need to be able to identify it. I need to be able to identify what is unholy and what is impure because if God has called me to be separate and live a holy life, it would be completely unfair of him to tell me, now you stay away from what is unclean and you avoid what is unholy and you avoid what is sin, but if he never took the time to tell me what that was, to explain to me what was the unclean thing, what was the unholy thing, I would live this life of complete and total frustration. I would live a life of, of internal anxiety, not knowing if at any moment in time I was standing on a landmine of sin, not knowing if I was navigating in the right direction at all, not knowing if I was ever really achieving that which God had saved me for, living a holy life. 
But God in his grace has not only told us to live a holy life, but he's charted out for us a pathway so that daily we can continue to live by his strength and by his power, separate from everything that is unholy. And that's the second point, and it's this. God has given us this word, not only to tell us to be holy, but as a map, as a guide to lead us into holiness. This word that we have here guides us and shows us a safe passage that we might take through this world and chart through this world in order that we might avoid the landmines of sin and those things that are unholy so that we can live a holy life to God. God has not simply called us to live a holy life and then left us on this plane to figure it out in frustration by trial and error, but God has given us this word in order to guide and direct us. Actually, the Bible says that this word is called the Holy Scriptures. In Timothy, it's called the Holy Scriptures. And if I'm going to have a map that will show me the pathway I need to take to live a holy life, I want that map to be something that's holy and pure and distinct and different. And the Bible also says that God has given us a guide who will somehow interpret this map for us so we understand it better. And that guide is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who made this map. And he works in our lives as we read this word to help us to understand and explains for us the symbols and shows us the signs and help us to understand the meaning and the significance. And he's the guide, the interpreter to this map. And he works and he's at work in our lives. Through the word, this Holy Spirit leads us and teaches us and instructs us. And this map, the Bible, shows me, among other things, and I don't have time to tell you all the things it shows us, but one of the things it shows us, particularly in this area of living a holy life, is it shows us where sin is so that we may avoid it. I'm going to mention six ways that it shows us where sin is. I just want to show it because I'm going to give you six proofs to prove my statement that it shows us where sin is. And they're this. The Bible first names and defines sin. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are no less than 25 different words that we have translated in English into the little word with three letters in it, sin. No less than 25 words. They are used over and over again. You can find one of them in almost every chapter of the Bible. And these words have different meanings. Some of their meanings are, among others, that of missing the mark, or of lawlessness, or of being faulty, or crooked, or being rebellious, or stepping over the line, or of going astray, or of malignancy, or of perversion. And they all talk about a different aspect of sin, that sin really is stepping out of sync with God's will and God's purpose because of my own self-desire, the malignancy of my own self-will. The Bible has named sin and defined it. That's the first thing it's done. The second thing is this. The Bible not only named sin and defined it, but the Bible has declared my state, my natural state in sin apart from Jesus Christ. The Bible says my natural state in sin in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and all mankind is this, that I am dead in trespasses and sin. That I'm spiritually separated from God and dead because of my sins. I don't have any spiritual life. I was reading a book last week. It told the story of a gentleman who was the president of the Moody Bible Institute back in 1914. And he had had a speaker come and speak to the assembly of students at his school. And this speaker was the most renowned scholar on the life of Paul and on the archaeology of Luke and the book of Acts. And as this individual was speaking, he let slip into his speech just an innocuous, safe little statement where he referred to the divine spark in every man. And after he was done, the individual who was the president of the school stepped forward and said, I want to say something to our students. I know that our speaker has no desire to mislead anyone present here. 
But there is no divine spark in every man. The Bible says that we are all dead in trespasses and sin until we receive the life of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible teaches us what the condition of man is in their sin. They are dead in trespasses and sin. The third thing it does is it names specific sins. And if you read through almost any book that Paul has written, you will find a catalog of sins. And it will describe them in different terminology. We don't have time to read all the catalogs. If you want to find one, you could read in Ephesians chapter 4 through the end of chapter 5, where you'll have both negatives and positives juxtaposed against one another. But here's just a location for these different categories. There are more, but here are some of them. By the way, these are just Paul's categories. In Romans 1, chapters 28 through 32. In 1 Corinthians 5, chapters 9 through 13. In Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through the end of chapter 5. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. It's good to be reading through the New Testament, and I'm enjoying reading through the epistles. There are so many promises there. I'm also thankful there that God has a checklist for me that I can run through periodically so that I can clean up the areas in my life that need to be cleaned up. I can be sensitive to areas that I'm not sensitive to so that I can go back and put my life underneath the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ and be made clean. I recommend that you use those lists. The fourth thing that it does is it declares the consequences of sin. Look, it names it and defines it. It declares man's state in sin. It names specific sins. It declares the consequences of sin. The New Testament says of all these sins that are listed and we've talked about, that upon those who do them comes the wrath of God. God has explained exactly what the consequences of sin is. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you can go from Adam to Judas and in between, you can read about Achan and Samuel and Saul and Gehazi and David, and you can name them. All throughout the Bible, the Bible delivers up to us over and over again the lessons of the consequences of sin in the lives of individuals because God wants us to be on the alert and to beware. When Satan fell, one-third of all heaven, of all the angelic realms fell with him. When Adam fell and sinned, all of mankind fell with him. The grave consequences of sin... Eventually, sin called for the death of God the Son on the cross. The great consequences of sin that the Bible teaches us. It is not something to take lightly. God doesn't want us to. God has given us this map to warn us and guide us. The fifth thing is this. It shows us how sin and the cross meet. Because there our sin, my sin, was put on Jesus. And there Jesus took my sin and bore it away, took it away, and the Bible says he's taken my sin and he's thrown it in the depths of the sea. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. The sixth way is this. He has revealed sin by telling me the kind of life I ought to live. The Bible shows me and reveals to me God's will for my life and the way I ought to live. And in explaining those positives to me, it addresses the negatives of my life. Dr. Graham Scroggie said this, News which is good implies a state which is bad. Supply presupposes want. News which is good implies a state which is bad. Supply presupposes want. Salvation implies sinfulness. When God comes and gives us the good news of how we ought to live a holy life, it's because God knows there's bad news out there. 
there's the need of knowing how to live a holy life. Because all around us, we're in a world that is decaying and passing away. And so God, in His grace and His love, has brought to us good news in the midst of dire situation. And salvation is the great good news. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that says that even though we were ready to be drawn away because of the condemnation of our sins, God has fought the battle in our behalf and has overcome and won the victory for us. It is good news because of what God has done for us. So this Bible is a map, you see, and it does all those things for us in order that I might know how to navigate my life in such a way to live a holy life through Christ's power in my life. It's a map that shows me around sin. It's a reprover that convicts me of sin. It's a mirror that helps me to alert me to sin. It's a surgical sword that cuts it away in my life. But it addresses these things. And still, you and I sin. We do things that are wrong. We do it every day. And what happens when we do that? Well, it directs us, this map directs us to a well where we can go, where we can have those sins washed away every day in order that we continue to maintain a holy life. I had an old pastor used to call this verse the Christian's bar of soap. It's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Who doesn't desire and long to be clean, to be right before God? Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.